For those who don't know, um, I'm an, I, there's me and my brother, I'm a, the eldest child. Any older siblings, elder siblings here? Who's the eldest sibling? Okay. Some of you, wow, I'm really, really shocked that there's not more older siblings. All right, so I'm going to talk about you younger siblings right now, okay? My younger sibling's not here, so it's perfectly fine. Um, older siblings, for, for some reason, we have this mentality that we have to fix things and that we, ha- we set these expectations for ourselves and we make sure we meet these expectations to set the example for our younger siblings. While our younger siblings do whatever they want, they don't get in trouble as often. Um, the older siblings at times, I know for myself, feel as if we have to maintain this level of expectation so we can show the younger sibling that, hey, this is how you're supposed to act. This is how you're supposed to be. This is the kind of stuff you're supposed to say. Don't be an idiot. Younger siblings, at times, it may be you. Younger siblings at times look at that and they're like, eh, whatever, and they just live life almost carelessly and freely. My brother's kind of like that. He's, he, gets away, he used to get away with a lot more than what I used to get away with. Right, mom and dad? Hey. Um, and so one thing, that, one thing, though, that I, I realized that it's not just older siblings that place these expectations on ourselves. It's not just the older siblings that... Um, that kind of live a little more stressful, high, adventurous life. But I think in a way, it's all of us. All of us put, our, put ourselves, we put ourselves in this position where we put expectations on ourselves. And we try so hard to meet these expectations all while it's beating us up. We put these expectations on ourselves and we strive and we work so hard to meet these expectations thinking that we can fix the situation. It can be expectations for different things. It can be like a work thing. It can be a relationship thing. It could be whatever it may be in your life. We put these expectations on ourselves and we stress ourselves out if we don't meet these expectations. Many of us do it indirectly. It just just comes second nature for us. And we find ourselves trying to catch up. We find ourselves trying to make sure everything's covered. We try to make sure that we can fix it. All while doing this, we are tired, stressed, and we are worried. And this tiredness, this stress, and this worriedness consumes us. It makes us stay up at night. It allows our minds to to get no rest. Our blood pressure raises, starts affecting our health, our relationships, all because of these expectations and life events that either come out of nowhere or we place ourselves in. This morning, we're going to talk about this distress, this, this, this worriedness. If you can, turn to your Bibles to Luke chapter 12, verse 22. And when you're there, go ahead and stand for the reading of God's Word. So let's Luke chapter 12. Verse 22, hear the word of the Lord. Then, starting at verse 22, then Jesus said to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or about your body, what you will wear. Life is more than food and the body more than clothes. 
Consider the ravens, they do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than birds? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life since you cannot do this very little thing? Why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the lilies grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If this is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you? O you of little faith, and do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it, for the pagan world runs after all such things. And your Father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves and you, that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted, where no thief comes near, no moth destroys. For your treasure, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. As I found myself in my life trying to meet these expectations, trying to be the top student, trying to be the best son, the best brother, the best friend, the best youth director, the best whatever that position may be, I always find myself trying to meet these expectations and finding myself in the afternoon at night questioning, am I meeting these expectations? Am I fulfilling what God is calling me to? There's the pressure around us that consumes us, that keeps us thinking at night that, are we doing what we're supposed to be doing? And I find myself, it was my senior year of college, and I found myself uh, in my, in my uh, living room at the time, in my, in my dorm, on my couch at one o'clock in the morning, asking God, God, what are you doing? God, what am I doing? Well, I don't know what's happening here. I'm stressed out. I feel like I'm a failure. I graduate in a few months. I have nothing lined up. I don't know what's happening. I'm stressed out. I have all this, all these homework, all these assignments to do. I have an internship that's happening. I don't know if I can do this, God. And guess what I heard? Nothing. I think at times we expect to hear something right away. I think at times we're like, all right, God, we cry out, like, all right, God, here. And we don't hear anything. And sometimes that's the best. Because it's in those moments, in the silence, that God works in mysterious ways. This past couple of weeks, as I was preparing for this message, um, Beginning of the school year can always be very stressful, at least for the youth director's life. You have kickoffs, you have students going back to school, making sure you're finding volunteers, making sure the youth group's set up for the semester, for the next year, getting ready for summer, uh, for next year's summer. And so it's very stressful, very uh, time-consuming, very good stuff that is happening. And uh, there was a moment where I was just getting overwhelmed, I was very tired, I was just mentally exhausted. And Pastor Scott's like, oh, by the way, I need you to preach October 7th. And I said, okay, cool. Let's just add that to the plate. And he said, I'm like, okay, what's it on? He goes, check the list on what our message is on. I'm like, all right, so check the list. And comes to find out it's do not worry. (laughs) Okay. 
So I'm going to preach to myself this Sunday. As we look at verse 22, this morning's message is, is, it's easier said than done. And in verse 22, Jesus is with his disciples, and he tells his disciples this. He literally says this. Then Jesus says to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about, the, or about your body, what you will wear. He literally says, do not worry. And I can imagine Jesus is saying this, and I can just picture this. Jesus is saying this, and the disciples are eager to hear, like, yeah, what do you say? And he goes, do not worry. And they're like, huh? Like, what do you mean, do not worry? We just gave up everything we just had. We, many of us were, were fishermen. Some of us were tax collectors making all this money. And we're following you now. And I can guarantee you the disciples were going through stuff thinking about, like, should I have done this? Should I, have, should I have taken that step and followed Jesus? I literally left all my stuff behind. This guy said, follow me. He's Messiah. Should I have followed him? And I can, tell, I can guarantee you there's, there's probably some worry in the disciples' life at this point. There's probably some nervousness in there for deciding to follow Jesus. And Jesus says, hey, do not worry. And I can just see him being like, excuse me? Really? Has anybody ever told you something like, hey, like you're going through a situation, someone tells you something, and you're just like, what? And you kind of, I don't know about you, but I have my, I wear my emotions on my sleeve, and my facial expressions really show what I'm thinking, and it's not a very good trait or quality. And so when someone tells me something that I'm like, uh-huh, like I question, I, I really show it. Like it's just like, oh, my head kind of goes to the side. I'm like, really? And I can just imagine the disciples are the same way too, where Jesus says, hey, do not worry. And they're just like, huh? Really? Easier? Yeah, it's easier said than done, Jesus. And he's like, no, no, do not worry. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry. And I can just imagine the, the reaction being like, what? Like, what do you mean, do not worry? What do you mean by do not worry, Jesus? And then Jesus goes on to explain, and Jesus provides comfort in this. Later on, he talks about saying, he, he, he brings the foundation and, and, and reminds us of our place. Jesus reminds us of who we are in the order of creation. And he shares on how God has provided for the birds. He says, look at the, look at the ravens. Look what I've done for them. Like, look how God provides for them. They don't store, they don't do any of this. And look, God provides for them. How about, how about the grass and the fields and the lilies that are there? Look how they are. And I provide for them. And then God says this, Jesus says this to disciples, look what God is doing with this creation. What makes you doubt that he's going to leave you right there? What makes you doubt that the God who created all things, that knows all things, that created you in his image will not care for you? That the God that created you in his image, what makes you doubt that the same God is going to leave you by the side? And we see this passage, I can see the disciples' reaction going from like, to, oh my word. As they look around, because Jesus used materials and objects that were around them, that were tangible, that were right there for them to grasp. 
Jesus says, look around you. And I think at times in our lives, we, we get so caught up in our worriedness. We get so caught up in our stress. We get so caught up in our doubt that we are blinded by what's around us. That we look around, that we don't see what's around us. We look, there's just right this one little issue. And we're blinded. That is our, our sole focus. And we are blinded to what is happening around us, not realizing that God is at work around us. That God is continually at work with his creation. And as we see that right there, as we see in that moment, as Jesus shares with his disciples that he provides they can stop and they can look around and they realize that, oh my gosh, he's, not, he, he's, he's right here. Look at the birds in the sky. They're fed. Look, look how the grass grows. Look, look at how creation works together, orchestrated by the hand of God. What makes me doubt? That the Savior of the world, that the creator of the universe who knows my name is going to leave me on the sideline. No. The creator of the universe is reminding us that he's in control. That he is in control and that he has orchestrated things the way they need to be. God provides for his creation. And he reminds us that our place is higher than the creatures of this world. For we were made in the image of God. As I was sharing earlier about my senior year of college and, and trying and hoping that I could make it, There's one of the seasons of life that when you think about it, you're just like, oh my gosh, how did I make it through this? How did I make it through this? And as, as I get older and as, as I experience, like right now, I'm currently back in school for my master's. And there's moments where I'm just like, gosh, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Where I stay up all night wondering, questioning, Lord, how am I going to make the tuition appointment? How am I going to pass this course? How am I going to learn Hebrew? How am I going to pass Greek? How am I going to do A, B, C, and D? And for yourself, think about this. What are those things in your life that you're hoping to make it? Many of us hold the weight of our children, of making sure our children succeed. Many of us carry that burden of hoping that our children can continue to seek Jesus and they have a good life and we can provide for them. And many times we say, we can do it. I got this. How many times do we find ourselves at work striving to meet these goals, striving to meet these expectations? hoping to make it, hoping to be something, someone. Or how many of us strive so hard and hope to be that great friend, that caretaker? How many of us strive so hard? Even for our students, students, how many of us students strive to impress our parents? How many of us live our lives to please our parents? 
how many of us live lives to meet the expectations of those people putting on us. We hope to make it. We hope. And this hope to make it at times worries us. It makes us stress. Like I mentioned earlier, I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life where I've been up late at night wondering, God, what are you doing? There's been times in my life where I'm asking God, God, where are you? Frustrated because I'm carrying this doubt. I'm carrying this worriedness. I'm carrying this stress. And it consumes us. It eats at us. And we just hope that each day we can make it. There's been, t- there's been so many times in my life where I find myself crying out to God, God, where are you in the midst of this situation? Where are you in this situation? When we face trials, when we face death, when we face life thrown at us, how many of us cry out to God asking God, where are you? And I think so many of us have grown up understanding the word reverence to God. And therefore, why should we ever cry out to God like that? Show reverence to God. Yes, show reverence to God. But God also wants to hear you. If we look at the Psalms, a lot of the Psalms is just David really upset at God. And so much, in fact, he doesn't just yell it out. He doesn't just cry it out. He's like, I'm going to yell it out and cry it out. I'm going to write it down too. So that other people will know this. Crying out to God is not a bad thing. It's a desire to move forward. So many of us carry stress. So many of us are worried. And as we look at this passage, as we look at this passage, the one thing that, that, that kind of came to me as I was preparing for it, I was asking myself this question was, where's my heart at? Where's my heart at? Because we look here at verse 31, okay? At verse 31 of, of chapter 12. And it says, but seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. We have to be reminded, guys, that God is at work around us, that God is moving in our midst. And even though we get distracted by what's happening in front of us, we can't be blinded that God is working around us. A few months ago, I I, I talked about uh, the focus of our heart. And I asked the question, I always said, check your heart. Check your heart. Where is your heart at? And I think this is a good reminder of that saying is, where is your heart? Check your heart. Where, where is your focus at? Is our focus trying to be like the eldest child and trying to fix everything and making sure that everything's fine, everything's perfect, it looks great so that when others see it, they can say they got it all taken care of. They have it all together. Look at them. Is that our desire and our goal is to make sure that we create this perfect picture image saying that everything's okay? Or are we going to live in reality and, and show what's really happening? And out of that reality, is our heart going to be focused on Christ? Do What we're trying to accomplish. But as we look here, he doesn't say like, or you do it, like you take care of it. No. 
as that stuff is happening around you, as those circumstances are taking place around you, Jesus says this, but seek his kingdom and these things will be given to you as well. These things, what God provides. God knows our needs. It's not unknown. For those around us, it may be unknown. For some of you right now, you are hiding stuff. You're going through situations that you carry and that you're ashamed of, and you don't want to talk about it because you're afraid of what people are going to say. And first of all, shame on us. Shame on us for creating a culture that doesn't allow people to share what is happening in their life. I'm not saying here specifically at the river. I'm saying the big church. I'm saying the big church. Capital C, the big church. Shame on us for creating a culture that keeps our brothers and sisters from sharing what is happening in their life because they're ashamed of what we're going to think. Allow, allow us to stop. To be reminded that our God is a God who provides but also let us check our hearts and see where we are focused at. Because if we are worried and we are stressed, at that moment, perhaps our heart is not at the place that it should be. Perhaps the, at that moment, maybe our, our heart at that moment is more consumed by what we can do to fix the situation rather than what God can do in restoring the situation. Maybe in that moment, we think to ourselves that we can take care of it. We can do whatever we can. We, can. we can try to write the check. We can write to do whatever we can. We can find somebody. We can just do what we need to do to fix that situation. And maybe instead, God is just saying, hey, look at me. Watch me. I know for a fact there's been so many times in my life thinking, thinking that I can do it. I got this. I don't need nobody. I got this. I can do this. I can fix the situation. I know what to say. I know what to do. I can fix it. I got this. And as I try to do it, I find myself falling so hard. Falling so hard and wondering, how did I get down here? And I, we, we always hear that phrase like, if you fall, get right back up and continue running. That's great and all. Yes, get back up. But I think there's times in which we need to sit down, lay down there, and wonder why we're down there. And say, all right, God, pick me up and show me where you need me to go. There's times in which we need to stop, be still, give God our worries, and allow him to do the rest. And it's so much easier said than done. Because I'm looking at some of you saying, I'm, I'm telling you this to, to, to give God your worry and your doubt. And some of you, the, the lights are bright, but I can see most of your faces. Some of you are like, dear, did you hear that? Let me say it again. As we face trials and situations, let us keep our eyes on Jesus, who just literally just said, I got this. Look at creation around you. But yet our sinful nature wants to say, you know what? You don't know what I'm going through. I got this. Me. I can do it. And reality is Jesus is telling us, asking us this question. Do you trust me? As you worry 
and as you doubt what he can do, as you face your trials and your stress, why do you doubt him? I remember, I remember times in my life where there was some, some very um, difficult moments in our family. And I remember, I remember growing up in the church, you hear kind of the same few stories over and over again, and they kind of just go through one ear out the other because you've heard it so many times, and you can recite it. One of these stories was the Exodus. One of these stories of Moses coming to, or being in Egypt, take God calling Moses and saying, I need you to lead my people out of slavery. And we hear the story, and for some of us, I, just me mentioning the Exodus, you're already thinking through it. You're probably thinking of Charles Heston, and you're just thinking, okay, like the Exodus story, God provides, yeah, okay, what are you, where are you going with this? It wasn't until some difficult life situations that I realized in, this, in, that, in that moment the power of the Exodus. Here's a group of people who have been in slavery for 400 years. 400 years in slavery working. God brings somebody, pulls them out, and as they're walking, they're complaining the whole time. They are absolutely complaining. And I, don't, and I can understand why they're complaining. Has anybody gone hiking when it's like 110 degrees? No. Why? Because it's not fun. Nobody does that. Unless you're crazy. Nobody does that. I can just picture the Israelites walking, hiking through the desert. It's hot. They're complaining like, oh, this is miserable. Why did you bring us out? Take us back. The Israelites wanted to go back to slavery. And as they continue to move forward, as they continue to march forward, they're complaining, we're hungry. Feed us. And you got these thousands of people here complaining, saying they're hungry. And I can just imagine Moses being like, okay, God, help. And God's like, oh, don't worry. You'll find something in the morning. And God provides manna. This, they don't know what it is. That's why it's called manna, meaning what is it? And, they, and God instructed them, and God provided food. And then they started getting picky. They were like, all right, God, thank you, but we want meat now. Like they started getting picky about it. And God's like, okay, here's quail. And God provides quail. And as they're walking, God appears as a pillar of fire at night and a pillar of cloud by day. I don't know about you, but I've never seen a pillar of cloud or a pillar of fire in my life. And if you have, let's talk afterwards. I want to hear about that experience. I've never seen that. But the Israelites are walking and they can see God direct them. They see God right in front of them, showing them where to go. And every need they brought up before God, God provided for them. When they were hungry, God provided quail. When they were wanted meat, God provided quail or manna or meat. When they, God was, they were hungry, God provided manna. When they wanted meat, God provided quail. And then they were thirsty, God provided water. When they were tired, God provided rest for them, protection, shelter. We see God provide all these things. And as I, got, as I was facing my life, in my life, the, the trials in my life, I looked back at that story. I, see, I saw that God was at work then. And I, I was reminded that in that moment that God is still at work now. 
and that my knees that I bring before him, God's not going to let me, just not going to just leave me. God's not going to say, what, you figure it out. God's not going to turn his back and say, no, you do it. Remember, you said you can do it? No, that's not the kind of God we serve. God instead said, I got you, son. He goes down into the pits of where we are. He picks us up and he goes, I'm going to show you what you need to do. I'm going to show you how to do this. I'm going to hold your hand and I'm going to carry you. I'm going to provide for you. He didn't require us to go up this mountaintop to receive. He didn't require us to go up to this mountaintop to expect anything. He didn't require us to go to this mountaintop to change our ways. He didn't expect to go to this mountaintop for him to be like, all right, now I can bless you because you made the proper steps. No, God went down to his people and brought them up with him. God provided for them in their midst, in their trials, in their tribulation. God provided for them. And in my life, when I was in the lowest of my lows, God did not say, you know what? Fix your ways, then come up here and meet me. No, God's like, come here, I got you. I'm going to provide for you. As we live our lives, let us be reminded that Christ provides our needs. Let us be reminded that whatever circumstance we are walking through, whatever trial that we face, whatever doubt that we have in our life, do not worry, for our God is with us. And that is the hope that we have this morning. That is the hope that Christ has given us. He's a God who provides. He's a God that shows up. And as we were reminded of the Exodus and are reminded by the words of Jesus, of, of God continuing to show up to his people, let us be reminded that we are God's people. We have been grafted into the tree because of his sacrifice, and we celebrated it this morning by partaking in the sacraments. That his body was broken for us, that his blood shed for us. Not because we deserved it, not because we tried to fix it ourselves, but solely because of his grace and his mercy. I don't know what you're walking through right now. For some of you, I have a, a, a kind of a, a picture. We've talked. For some of you, many people don't know what you're walking through right now. And you worry and you stressed, and it keeps you up at night. And you wonder how each day you're going to make it. For some of you, perhaps that's, that's, not, a, that's not a thing for you. God be praised. But for those who, ha- who are stressed, who are worried, who are filled with doubt, who at the back of their mind think, is this going to be okay? Hear these words. Christ is hope. Christ provides hope. Because you deserve it? No. Because of his grace and his mercy. So do not worry Christ provides peace. Christ provides hope. May that echo in our hearts and our minds this week as we face trials, as we face different circumstances, as our kids get in trouble, or if we get in trouble at work, or collections calls you, I don't know. May we be reminded that God is in control. 
And yes, it is easier said than done to give God our stress, to give God our worry. But Christ has already given us the strength to trust him. Let's trust him. God, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you, Lord, for the work that you're doing in us, through us, and around us. Lord, I pray that as we continue to live our days, I pray, Lord, that you remind us that you are in control. May we not worry. We may not stress. May we find our rest in you. May we trust in you. May we know, God, that you are in full control. Remind us of that daily, Lord. Lord, I pray that we push away our pride. May we seek you in all that we do. Lord, be with us. Walk with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.